Book First, Chapter Fourteen of A Day of Fate by Edward P. Rowe. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Like Many Waters. Book First, Chapter Fourteen Kindling a Spark of Life. I soon had coffee made that was as black as the night without. Instead of calling Miss Warren, I took a tray from the dining room and carried it with several cups upstairs. Bring it here, called the doctor. I entered Mrs. Yocomb's room and found that she had quite fully revived, and that Reuben had supported his father thither also. He reclined on the lounge, and his usually ruddy face was very pale. Both he and his wife appeared almost helpless, but the doctor had succeeded in arresting, by the use of ice, the distressing nausea that had followed consciousness. They looked at me in a bewildered manner as I entered, and could not seem to account for my presence at once nor did they apparently try to do so long for their eyes turned toward little zilla with a deeply troubled and perplexed expression as if they were beginning to realize that the child was very ill and that events of an extraordinary character had happened let me taste the coffee said the doctor ah that's the kind black and strong see how it will bring them around and he made mr and mrs yocomb each swallow a cup of it miss warren he called give some of this to miss ada if she is quiet enough to take it i cannot leave the child miss warren came at once her face was clouded and anxious and she looked with eager solicitude toward the still unconscious zilla whose hands reuben was chafing i think miss ada will soon be better she replied to the doctor's inquiring glance and she went back to her charge take some yourself said the physician to me in a low tone i fear we are going to have a serious time with the little girl you do not realize i urged that miss warren needs keeping up almost as truly as any of them you'll have to take care of her then said the doctor hastily she seems to be doing well herself and doing well for others take her some coffee and say that i said she must drink it i knocked at ada's door and called miss warren the doctor says you must drink this coffee in a few moments she answered and after a little time she came out where's your cup she asked have you taken any not yet of course why of course if you want me to drink this you must get some at once there may not be enough i don't know how much the doctor may need then get a cup and i'll give you half of this never i answered promptly do as the doctor bade you she went swiftly to Mrs. Yocomb's room and filled another cup. I pledge you my word I won't touch a drop till you have taken this. You don't realize what you have been through, Mr. Morton. Your hand so trembled that you could scarcely carry the cup. You are all unnerved. Come, she added gravely. You must be in a condition to help, for I fear Zilla is in a critical condition. I'm not going to break down, I said resolutely give it to reuben poor fellow he was very wet she looked at my clothes and then exclaimed why mr morton don't you know you are wet through and through am i and i looked down at my soaked garments i don't believe you have a dry thread on you i've been too excited to think of it of course i got wet on the roof but what's a summer shower your coffee's getting cold so is yours you have the doctor's orders I would be glad if my wishes wait a little with you, she said appealingly. 
there miss warren if you put it that way i'd drink gall and vinegar and i gulped down the coffee she vanished into ada's room saying you must take my word for it that i drink mine i shall sip it while waiting on my patient having insisted on reuben's taking some also i returned to the kitchen and made a new supply mr and mrs yocomb's extreme prostration both mental and physical perplexed me their idolized child was still unconscious and yet they could only look in wondering and perplexed anxiety i afterward learned that a partial paralysis of every faculty especially of memory was a common effect of a severe shock of electricity it was now evident that miss warren from some obscure cause escaped harm from lightning the words i had employed to reassure her turned out to be true she had merely swooned and thus on recovery had full possession of all her faculties i would be glad if my wishes wait a little with you she had said in wonder at myself i asked what weighs more with me by what right is this maiden whom i have met but to-day taking such absolute control of my being am i overwrought morbid fanciful deluded by unexcited imagination into beliefs and moods that will vanish in the clear sunlight and clearer light of reason or has the vivid lightning revealed with absolute distinctness the woman on whom i can lean in perfect trust and yet must often sustain in her pathetic weakness the world would say we are strangers but my heart and soul and every fibre of my being appear to recognize a kinship so close that i feel we never can be strangers again it is true the lightning fuses the hardest substances making them one however i am beginning to think that my hitherto callous nature has been smitten by a diviner fire if so heaven grant that i'm not the only one struck well it's a queer world when i broke down last friday night and sat cowering before the future in my editorial sanctum i little dreamed that on sunday night i should be making coffee in a good old quaker's kitchen and what is still more strange making a divinity out of a new york music teacher a moment later i added that's a stupid way of putting it i'm not making a divinity out of her at all she is one and i've had the wit to recognize the truth are her gentlemen friends all idiots that they have not what talking to yourself mr morton i fear the events of this day are turning your head and miss warren entered speak of an angel you know the saying indeed the only word i heard as i entered was idiot pardon me you overheard the word idiots so can gather nothing from that no your mutterings are dark indeed i see no light or sense in them but the doctor came to ada's door and asked me for more coffee how is miss ada doing nicely she'll sleep soon i think i do hope little zilla is recovering yes reuben put a radiant face within the door a few minutes since and said that zilla was coming too as he expressed it ada is doing so well that i feel assured about the others now that she is becoming quiet i think i can leave her and help with zilla and you're not exhausting yourself i've not yet reached the stage of muttering delirium mr morton will you permit me to suggest that you go to your room and put on dry clothes you are not fit to be seen moreover there is a mark athwart your nose that gives to your face a sinister aspect not becoming in one whose deeds of darkness this night will bear the light of all coming time it might be appropriate in a printing office but i don't intend to have little zilla frightened oh i'm so glad and grateful that we have all escaped 
there that will do give me the tray beg your pardon i shall carry it up myself what on earth would i have done without you in this emergency come mr morton i'm not used to being disobeyed yes you did look as helpless as only a man can look when there's illness and there's no telling what awful remedies you might have administered before the doctor came i think i shall take the credit of saving all our lives since you and reuben won't she pushed open the door of mrs yocomb's room and her face changed instantly little zilla lay on the bed and was still unconscious mrs yocomb had been moved into an armchair and every moment comprehension of the truth grew clearer and her motherly solicitude was intensified reuben evidently was frightened and the doctor's brow was knitted into a frown of perplexity we thought she was coming too said reuben to miss warren but she's gone back worse than ever mr morton i wish you to give to all a cup of that coffee and take some yourself said the physician in a quiet but authoritative voice mr yocomb you must not rise you will be ill again and i now need all the help i can get with this child we must try artificial respiration spraying the chest with cold water and every possible means would to god that i could help thee cried mrs yocomb you can by keeping absolutely quiet mr morton you must become as a brother or one of the family i am one with them to-night i said earnestly let me help you in any way you three must rub her with flannel and spirits while i lift her arms slowly up and down to try to induce respiration the poor little limp body how sacred it seemed to me we worked and worked till the perspiration poured from our faces every expedient was tried until the physician at last desisted and stood back for a moment in anxious thought then in a tone broken with anguish mr yocomb exclaimed would to god the bolt had fallen on my head and not on this dear little lamb in bitter protest against it all i cried the bolt has fallen on your heart mr yocomb how is it that god has thunderbolts for lambs richard morton these unjust began mrs yocomb in a voice that she tried to render quiet and resigned who art thou to judge god what i do thou knowest not now but thou shalt know oh my child my child broke out her wailing cry and motherhood triumphed reuben was sobbing over his sister with all the abandon of boyish grief but miss warren stood before the little form apparently lifeless with clasped hands and dilated eyes i can't i won't give her up she exclaimed passionately and darted from the room i followed wonderingly she was already in the kitchen and had found a large tub fill this with hot water she said to me no let me do it i'll trust no one yes you may carry it up but please be careful i'll bring some cold water to temper it doctor she exclaimed re-entering the room we must work till we know there is no chance yes and after we know it is not hot water good anything is good that will restore suspended circulation he replied we'll try it but wait a moment i've employed a nice test and if there's life i think this little expedient will reveal it he held the child's hand and i noted that a string had been tied around one of the small white fingers and that he intently watched the part of the finger beyond the string i comprehended the act at once and recognized the truth that there would be little hope of life if this test failed 
if there was any circulation at all the string would not prevent the blood flowing out through the artery but it would prevent its return and therefore if there was life a faint color would manifest itself in the finger i bent over and held my breath in eager scrutiny the child's alive i exclaimed by a quick impressive gesture the physician checked my manifestation of feeling and excitement as he said yes she's alive and that's about all we'll try a plunge in the hot bath and then friction and artificial respiration again we set to work once more with double zeal under the inspiration of miss warren's words and manner but especially because assured that life still lingered in less than a quarter of an hour there was a perceptible pulse at last she was able to swallow a little stimulant and the faint spark of life of which we scarcely dared to speak lest our breath might extinguish it began to kindle slowly when at last she opened her eyes miss warren turned hers heavenward with a fullness of gratitude that must have been sweet to the fatherly heart of god if the words be true like as a father pitieth his children mrs yocomb threw herself on her knees by the bedside sobbing thank god thank god reuben was growing wild with joy and the father overwhelmed with emotion was struggling to rise when the doctor said in low decided tones hush nothing must be said or done to excite or surprise her mr and mrs yocomb as you love your child control yourselves you mr morton would seem strange to her and with reuben had better leave us now miss warren will help me and i think all will be well don't overtax miss warren i urged lingering anxiously at the door a moment she gave me a smiling reassuring nod as much to say that she would take care of herself god bless her i murmured as i sought my room i believe she has saved the child End of book first, chapter fourteen.